0: copy of the scriptures this morning, and turn with me to Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35. Perhaps you've seen the movie uh, Moneyball. There is a scene in this movie, it's about baseball. You know, the great American pastime. And there is a, 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 a moment where A truth is being stated that perhaps every young boy in America, perhaps some girls out there can understand. We're all told at some point we can no longer play the children's game. Those of you that played sports in high school may recall that, the last game, the last meet. We don't know when it will be. Some of us are told at 18, some of us at 40, but we're all told There is an end to all things, seasons. It will not always be cloudy and humid as it is today. All good things must come to an end. And when that happens comes transition. I remember going back and watching my high school football team play and seeing a a kid wearing my jersey. (laughs) You retire, someone takes your place. People come and people go. All good things come to an end. Today in our study, in the book of Genesis, becomes an enormous transition Reading it through, you might miss it. But throughout the scriptures, the Lord is known as the God of Abraham and Isaac. And up until this point, that has been the end. But henceforth, he will be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob exits stage right. This becomes the end of his story. He doesn't die here today, my friends. But as he goes back, another rises up. We'll pick up the story of Joseph next week. Big transition. He has served the God of Abraham and Isaac, and he has, he has done it imperfectly, as we all do. And the spotlight fades. So, Jacob's exit off the stage begins with going home. It seems that he is always trying to get home. But you will notice here in verse 1, he is going home because God sent him home. Notice, God said to Jacob, And is that not astounding in and of itself? Because these things will fade throughout the rest of Scripture. We're going to see an event that will take place in this passage. That will never take place again in the Bible. God said to Jacob, Arise and go to Bethel and, th- and dwell there and make an altar to there to the God who appeared to you when you first fled from your brother Esau. So the Lord commands him very important things arise. Now remember, this isn't Jacob, his wife, and a couple of kids. Jacob left his homeland all by himself fleeing for safety and now he returns a great company and you know why because God said that is exactly what he would do friends we will not end this study or our lives without knowing over and over again the Abrahamic Covenant God promised He made a covenant with Abraham. It was not a covenant based on what Abraham would do, but specifically what God would do. That he would bless Abraham. That he would make out of Abraham a great nation. And that through that nation, all the families of the world would be blessed. The focus of the Old Testament is this family that has become a nation that ultimately in the New Testament brings forth that which would be a blessing to all the families of the earth, Jesus, Jesus. Understand the story, my friends. If we know the context, we can understand the scriptures better. And so the command is to rise up and go. But before that happens, in verse 2, Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, family, servants, laborers, every last one of you, he says to his household and all who are with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Put away the foreign gods. What were these gods doing with them anyway? You may recall how you know, they plundered the people of Shechem. Certainly they must have picked up some gods along the way. And here's the silliness of it all. Perhaps some of them made their own. Who would worship a god that you can make all by yourself? If you could make it, what kind of power would it have? But people do that sort of thing. They have good luck charms look around to see no go. <laughs> we create these things oh I don't want to leave with my magic watch or this favorite ring of my great-grandmother and it always worked well for her so I always wear this when I we create our own little gods and how silly it is isn't it so clean up was the instruction and that tells us something about Jacob at this stage in his life you will note that God didn't say to do this Jacob knew to do this. It's certainly something you and I should know to do. I'm not talking about basic cleanliness, you know, clean up and change your clothes. I'm talking about purifying your life. Put away the foreign gods, the things that you are trusting in place of God. Purify yourself. You know what pure means? One thing. One thing. What is the one thing in your life that drives the way you think and the priorities that you have because of that one thing? My friends, I hope and I anticipate that your answer would be the Lord Jesus Christ. That it is God whom you serve. He is the one that orders your days just as he does with you. And so there is the command by Jacob to put away the foreign gods. And then verse 3, we have a little visioning going on here. You see, the Lord has told this to Jacob, but nobody else knows what's going on. Where are we going this time, they might say. And you've been a part of groups. Oh, we're packing up again. Where are we headed this time? Well, friends, you will note that in verse 3, he says, Let us rise up and go to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. The testimony of Jacob, God has been faithful little bit of visioning you want to know where we're headed this is where we're going and why we're going there in 1978 i think i was young then so i don't remember it very well but uh, my my parents planned this trip out west we we grew up i grew up in lansing michigan and um, my father had this conference that was going to be in california so he said hey why don't we take a four-week vacation combined those things, bought a big old, one of those big club wagon things, you could stick about 80 people in there, it seemed, you know, unless you're sitting next to your sibling, you know, <laughs> No, and, 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 uh, you know what they did, they, they put this map of the United States up on the wall, I mean, this was months before we even bought the camper that we were going to live in for a month, you know, and, uh, and little pins along the way, this is where we'll stop. This is where all of these events were. These are these great marker, the Grand Canyon, and, you know, and Mount Rushmore, and, and someplace in Iowa. I vaguely remember it was in Iowa. I don't remember what it was, but um, no, no insult to Iowa. Who doesn't love Iowa? Come on. Who's from Iowa? Raise your hand. I knew it, Linda. Yeah, I was looking at your way when I said I know. it. Romantic yeah. colonies. It's called visioning. Let's get the image in our head of where we're going and what we're doing and how we'll get there. Well, what we see, my friends, is the command from Jacob, this command that has started with the Lord. And you know what we see here in verse 4? Obedience. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under a terebinth tree that was near Shechem. Near Shechem. Putting it back where it belongs in a grave, my friends. They all obeyed. Friends, I don't want to go too far out the scripture here, but... But all of them obeyed. Nobody kept anything. Remember Rachel, you know, left her father's house, took the family god and sat on top of it when he came looking for it, you know, on the camel. And can't get up. Time of the month, you know. And they all obeyed. And I have to believe that their obedience must have been based on something they knew about Jacob. Perhaps how God has treated and cared for him and provided for him and blessed him. And perhaps they wanted to walk in that. Now that's conjecture here, friends. But one thing we know is that everybody listened. And everyone obeyed. Wow, certainly worth taking note about. And so we see here in verse 5, as they journeyed, a terror fell from God. Look at this. A terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And this whole journey is is somewhat a precursor of Israel coming out of Egypt. And here was this new nation that had grown up in slavery in Egypt. And God cared for them, so much so knowing that they weren't ready for war. He sent a terror in the hearts and minds of all of the peoples around them so that they dare not touch them. The creative mind of our Lord God. Instead of just going to their leader and saying, hey, don't touch these people or I'm going to knock your head off, you know. Just a terror. The way God works. And so he protected Jacob. And by the way, that's exactly what he promised to do exactly what he had promised to do in Genesis 28 <laughs> I mean God kept his promise in Genesis chapter 28 and verse 12 we read that he dreamed and behold there was a ladder set up on the earth and on top of it remember this the angels going up and down and behold the angels of God were ascending and descending and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you, will, uh, you lie, I will give you to you and your offspring, and your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That covenant from Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob. And notice what he says in verse 15. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. These were the promises of God to Jacob. So he gets up on a journey. He doesn't get up and say, oh, those people out there, they're sneaky. They might attack us. No fear. Let's just get up and do what God says. Because when God commands, he enables. When God commands, he enables. And he protects his servants to do what he calls his servants to do. And so he protected. And then you know he—you notice here in verse 6, And Jacob came to lose, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. Notice how that phrase is repeated over and over and over again when he fled from his brother. A reminder of the sin that he had committed against his family and a marker in his life of how God used that horrific event to change his life. You and I have markers in our life like that too, don't we? We used to divide ourselves. Let's see. There's Middle school and high school and the first couple years of work or college or, you know. And then there's events. Well, that was two years after Mary died, wasn't it? And things that come in our life and mark our time. For Jacob, he could look back and say, that horrific event and having to flee because of it is what God used to change my life. Keep your eyes open, friends, when big stuff comes around. More than likely, God is in it. God is there. And so he returned. And then the Lord gives him a divine reminder. So here he is back in the promised land. He has returned. He has obeyed God to the letter. No delays here, have you noticed that? Maybe learn something from the last chapter. In verse eight, and Deborah, Rebecca's nurse died, and she was buried under an oak below Bethel. And so he called its name Alan bakuth which means an oak of weeping. Now you say, who is this Deborah character? You know what well, it says it was Rebecca's nurse who was Rebecca it was his mom perhaps a lady that cared for him as a child so sadness and here we have the second burial of the chapter but we're not done and the Lord appears to Jacob oh, you'll notice he didn't Arrive or suddenly come to jail. He was already there. He just appeared to him (coughs) Rich you're no longer allowed to put my sermon notes because this is from last Thursday Keep on reading I didn't hear it. Oh my goodness All right Oh, Here we are. Okay. Page 2. Anybody remember that? Paul Harvey. Okay. Back to it. Focus of the covenant is now on Jacob. Everything changed. The God of Abraham and Isaac. The Lord appears to Jacob. And notice what he says here in verse 9. God appeared to Jacob again. When he came from Padanaram and blessed him, and God said to him, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. And so he called his name Israel. And we still refer to Jacob every now and again. And so he reminds Jacob of who he is, and he reminds Israel of the covenant. And God said to him, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. And the land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac... I will give to you and I will give the land to your offspring after you. And then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. And he poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. You say, what's the deal with this drink offering thing? My friends, it was representative of pouring out your life and saying, all of it belongs to you. I hope that you've come to a moment in your life where you know you can do no other. All of it. No shadows, no hidden spots, no, well, there's Thursday nights, I'm keeping those things. And he pours out this drink offering, poured oil on it so Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken to him with him Bethel and this is where everything begins to change now God has already stated the truth it's you pal you are the one that I am carrying this through and in verse 16 Rachel gives birth to Benjamin his last son my friends then they journeyed from Bethel And when they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel went into labor and her labor was hard. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. Which apparently was one of those large goals of women in the East. They found their value in the sons in which they produced. But you will notice in verse 18, and as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. Benoni, son of my sorrow. Benjamin, son of my right hand. To sit at someone's right hand, my friend, is the place of honor. There ain't no way I'm naming my kid sorrow, Not after I got the moniker of deceiver. Perhaps thoughts that ran through his mind. But notice verse 19, so Rachel died. And she was buried. On the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. And it is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there. To this day, that's a note by Moses who recorded all of these things. said, even today you could go to that scene. And so Jacob's favorite wife, how's that for an expression? It is the wife whom he loved. The one he wanted, not Leah, has now died. Things are changing, friends. And if that wasn't a big enough heartache. In verse 29, we see the Lord putting him to the first place. At the head of his family to be the source. That's the right word. But certainly the father of this nation. Abraham, Isaac, now Jacob. And apparently that stirred some ideas in his son Reuben's head. Because in verse twenty-one we read, "Israel, journey- who's Israel? You see that? Yeah, not Jacob anymore. Huh? Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Edom. And while Israel lived in that land, Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Now, what's this all about?" it seems like a verse that fits somewhere later in the bible somewhere when all the scoundrels are around what this is is an attempt to take his father's place throughout the scriptures even yeah we won't go into too much detail but this happens numerous times particularly among the kings when a king dies he takes all, of, the next king takes all of his wives. Remember who Abishag is? Yeah. Yeah. Adonijah. Is that his name? Yeah. Adonijah asked for Abishag to be his wife after David had died. And what it was, was a move to take the kingdom away from Solomon. See, so you got the wife. You must be king. And here is Reuben supplanting his father or attempting to. Something familiar about that story, huh? And then, my friends, as we come to verse 22 at the end, now the sons of Jacob were 12. We have now present all of the heads of the tribe of the nation of Israel. And the sons of Leah, verse 23, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, the sons of Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin, and the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's servant, Dan and Naphtali, and the sons of Zilpah, Leah's servant, Gad and Asher, and these were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padanaram. And at this moment, which... Gives me chills to think about it. Abraham never saw a nation. But Isaac does. And here are all the the foundational stones of the nation of Israel present. A growing family. In verse 27 we see, And Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, Kiriath Arba that is Hebron where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned and now the days of Isaac were 180 years and Isaac breathed his last and he died and was gathered to his people isn't that not a beautiful thought gathered to his people old and full of days and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him and now, God is now the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The story continues, my friends. Seasons, lives. I watched Isaac from a boy grow into be this great and godly man. And now he is gone, and Isaac takes his place. I want to talk about that for just a moment here. Melanie and I, we got married like 33 years ago or something like that. It was Wisconsin maybe. Um, There was a song that we had selected to be played because... because we felt it really reflected what we wanted our marriage to be. May all who come behind us find us faithful. Everybody's making footsteps for somebody else, starting up new paths that someone else will rock in. My days, your days, are numbered. We don't know when. Only God knows. It's an appointment that God makes for every man to die. Hey, leave some good footsteps, okay? It's okay to tell people how you blew it, but tell them how you fixed it. Tell them what God did to transform your life. Make a good path for people. Jacob we mostly learn from his mistakes, from his selfishness. Don't let that be your story friends. Wherever you are in your storyline my friends, change it today. Make it a good one. let's wrap it up. The Lord accomplishes his will and his way and through his people for his glory. From beginning to end, Isaac's life has ended. Jacob picks up the torch. So remember these events. Remember them. Let them sear into your mind, your memory. Lord, help me not to be like Jacob. Willing to cast people aside for stuff. Help me not to be a deceiver. Remember these events that we started. Because remember friends. While they did not happen to us. They were recorded for us. They have been recorded. And preserved all these many years. That we might know. That we might learn. And when it comes to the Word of God, my friends, I I know our our middle name is Bible here, and I hope that's significant to you. There's a, a movie that came out at some point, and I never know these things. It's called Yesterday. It's an interesting story about how the world suddenly forgets and knows nothing about the Beatles it's as if they never existed it's an interesting tale but there is one man who does know he remembers them and he's you know shocked when nobody knows these songs he's a musician and there's a point in the movie where he realizes that he can sing all of these songs and reintroduce them to the world except now he's got to try and remember the words it's funny What Bible are you working with between your ears? The stuff that you have hidden in your heart. The stuff that you have soaked in, talked about. That the Spirit of God uses in your life to lead and guide and correct. Man, get in the Bible. Get in there. Read it. Study it. You may not even fully understand what you're reading at the time. I'm not saying it's gibberish to you. I'm just saying that you won't know the depth of it maybe until later on. Maybe the story of Joseph is just an interesting one when you're a kid and you think, Hey, way to go, pal. And then suddenly he's a model for you. And some woman almost twice your age comes on to you and says, What do you want to do? And you think of Joseph. How could I sin against my God? And do this horrible thing. Hide it in your heart, friends. Beg you for your sake. And trust in what the Lord says, because he's going to do it. Let's not forget that purify thing. The Spirit of God has already begun to convict you of some things. Friends, take care of it, please. It's the right thing. Yeah, it's scary and you wonder how and you like it and get rid of it. Clean it up, friends. Let's pray to God. Our oh, Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. Not a single drop of rain. An opportunity for us to hear your word, to soak it in, to understand and to live it out. We may not be starting from the beginning, but we're starting from today. Help us, Lord, to live the life we long to live. To be the man or woman of God that you've called us to be. May this be one of those days that we remember the rest of our life. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.